Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again on this week's edition of the Sabbath School Commentary. This week's lesson is entitled, Jesus as the Master Teacher. The lesson didn't go in the direction that I thought it would go this week because due to the title, I was thinking we're going to assess Jesus' teaching methods and consider some of his primary teaching. But we didn't do that. It was The lesson was focusing in on how Jesus reveals God and uh, the character of God, basically. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go from, from day to day through the lesson, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and maybe Thursday. I'm not sure if we're going to do anything on Thursday. And just look at some of the passages and consider some of the insights that are there, revealed there in those verses of Scripture. And so... Um, Monday's lesson, sorry, Sunday's lesson is entitled Revealing the Father. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture for you, and we're going to talk about it here real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in His Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. The portion of this passage that relates most to this week's lesson and what the lesson is bringing out is verse 3. Jesus, according to Hebrews 1.3, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature. So, I want to know what the glory of God looks like. I want to see the radiance of God's glory, and I want to know what His nature is, who He is, what He's like. Well, the text of Scripture here is saying, look to Jesus, and you'll find out. Jesus is the means through which God has spoken to us, and through Him God shows us the radiance of of his glory. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which Sunday's lesson points our attention to, communicates similarly. Notice what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by manifesting, by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is, notice this, the image of God. I'm just going to talk with you for a second about this phrase, 
who is the image of God. What is an image? When you hear the word image, what do you think? Several ideas come to my mind. I think a representation of, uh, I think uh, a replica. Other words you know, that are synonymous with the word image would be form, replica, likeness. I've never seen what I look like. Have you? A lot of times I ask people the question, have you ever seen yourself? Now, not like in every conversation, but when I'm talking about this subject. <laughs> have you ever seen yourself? Yes or no? Some people say yes. Some people know where I'm coming from, and so they say no. If people say yes to me, yeah, I've seen myself. I say, no, you've not. You've never seen yourself. And they say, what are you talking about? Of course, I, I see myself all the time. I look in the mirror. I say, ah, you see? When you're looking in the mirror, you are not seeing yourself. You're seeing your image that's being reflected. Well, you're seeing an image of yourself that's being reflected from the mirror. Okay, so how do you know what you look like? Well, you know what you look like because you've seen your image reflected back to you as you've looked into a mirror. And Paul is saying that Christ is the image of God. He's what we look to to see what God is like. And it's interesting, too, because mankind, according to Genesis 1, 26 and 7, was made in the image of God. In the image of God, he made them male and female. Mankind was made originally to reflect God. It was made in God's image. The image of God in mankind, as we understand from the Word of God and just from experience and observation, has been distorted and marred. But in the person of Jesus Christ, it's restored. The text of Scripture goes on and says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So how is the Father revealed? How is God known? How is God understood? How is God comprehended? Well, according to the Bible, through Jesus. Jesus teaches us of the Father, what God is like, His glory, His character, His nature. It's all revealed in the person of Jesus. Now, this is a pretty cool truth to understand and comprehend. How much is God worth, right? Like, you know, they talk about people's net worth, billionaires, millionaires, the ultra-rich people on the planet. They'll say that person has a net worth of, and it may be, you know, billions and billions of dollars. And when, when you consider a human being who's very wealthy and they're worth, uh, it's impressive because you realize that that person has the capacity because of what they're worth to do a lot of good for a lot of people. With money comes privilege and opportunity and power. Okay, so what's God worth? A billion, 
dollars, $10 billion. Well, he's the source of all that is. In him is all the treasures of knowledge and truth. How much wisdom does God possess? How much knowledge does God possess? How much power does God possess? In him is an eternal life, life that's underived and unborrowed. So I guess okay, so the simple point I want to make, although I'm being more wordy than I wish I was being, God is worth a lot. And having access to God is worth a lot. And hey, everyone, we have access to God through Jesus. And we have a picture of God through Jesus. We learn of God through Jesus. He became a man, God became a man, and God taught us about himself through the incarnation of the Son of God. This is awesome. This tells me, this tells you that we can access God through Jesus, through studying him, through beholding him, through reading of his teachings, and okay, and we're benefited significantly. This is pretty powerful thought to me. Uh, Monday's lesson is entitled, Revealing the Father Continued. And the lesson points our attention to John chapter 1, verses 14 and 18. And uh, similar ideas are communicated here in John 1, 14 and 18. And I'll read those verses for you guys. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is speaking of Jesus becoming a human being and living life among human beings. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now notice this. We see Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. And we see His glory, and it's the glory as of the only begotten from the Father. So the glory that Jesus demonstrated was from or of the Father. Now verse 18 goes further and says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. Sorry. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him or declared Him. So this verse is pretty interesting because it goes a bit further than the other passages. The other passages say, Jesus is the one through whom God teaches us of himself and the one through whom we can see God, see his character, his nature, his glory. This verse says there's no other way to see him <laughs> except for the son who comes from the bosom of the father. He's explained him. And so that's pretty powerful thought really. It's in essence saying that Jesus is the only one we have ever seen God through. That's what it's saying. No one has seen God at any time. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He's explained Him. He's declared Him. So Jesus is the one, the only one through whom we understand God truly. That's a heavy claim. That's a big deal. That's a big statement. John 14, Jesus is pretty cool. What This teaching is, I recommend, guys, that you 
decide to sit around with your Bible for about an hour and just read John 14, 1 through 14 over and over again. And it is awesome, beautiful. You go into spiritual wonderland with the deep and profound truths that Jesus is communicating here. One thing I've learned about studying the Bible is it's really good to, while you're reading through a passage, at every text you read, be sure that you are reading it in the light of what you've just read so that the words are framing a picture in your mind. And so you can, you can simultaneously assess all the verses you've read in a specific passage. So you're on verse 6. Well, you, you're reading verse 6 in the light of verse 4 and 5 and 3 and 2, etc. And when you're reading, you know, just to read a passage over and over and over and over again and focus each time just as much as you focused the time before. And what ends up happening is the picture just gets more and more vivid. The communication gets more and more clear. And you begin to see the thought that was being communicated by the, by the author, by the prophet. It's really powerful. Okay. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas interrupts. <coughs> Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? So Jesus is talking about heaven, the place. And he says to his disciples, yet yeah, you know, you know the way. Okay, my father has many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go to the place where the father is. And when I'm in that place, I'm going to do a work of preparation. And that work of preparation is going to provide a place for you. And, and you know the way I'm going. And Thomas is like, uh, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Oh, that statement. Heavy. I am the way. <laughs> I am the truth. I am the life. He's the embodiment of all of God's ways, all of God's truth, and the life of the infinite God of the universe. Jesus, it's interesting, he, Jesus himself is a destination in, a, in an interesting kind of way, and a person. He's a, he, he, he was a man, but he still was the same person that was God. There's a book entitled The Man Who Was God, indicating, I think, I don't know who wrote it, Roy something or other. The Man Who Was God, and he was trying to communicate through the title that when Jesus, when the Son of God, when, when, when the second person of the God had became a man and took upon himself the role of the Son of God, the second Adam, he didn't stop being God because he was the, he was the same person. He forsook his divine nature, his, the state that he previously dwelt in, he no longer dwelt in because he manifested himself as a human being. He incarnated himself into the race of humanity. So the creator partook of the nature of the creation, became flesh and physical flesh and blood, but he was still the same person. 
He was a person, a, a being, a person with a personality and feelings and perspectives. And, and then he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. This is in the context of where, go, where, where are you going to where the Father is. He's like, okay, I am the way. I, the person, am the way. How can a person be a way? I am the truth. I am the life. It's because he, although he's a person, he has also a destination. Like He's the destination that where, where, that's where the truth is. He's the, the way to the truth. So he himself. Anyways, I'm, I'm rambling on here a little bit, but uh, Jesus is a destination and a person. And heaven is a place and a state. And he was going to go to the place where heaven was, but he was the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven himself. So verse 7 goes on. He says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said, Have I been so long with you, and you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Okay. I, I am what the Father looks like, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's there in that different place, but if I'm here with you, you're seeing him. I'm in the Father, he's in me. If you have me, you have the Father. If you have me, you have the truth. If you have me, you have the way. If you have me, you have the life. It's, it kind of reminds me of in John 11 when Lazarus had died and Martha and Mary, they are talking with Jesus and say to the Lord, I know my brother will, will live again in the resurrection. Because Jesus says to, the, to, to, to Mary and to Martha, your, your brother's going to live again. And they said, yeah, we know in the resurrection at the end of time. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet he will live. So it's the same concept, the same idea. Well, hey, listen, we're kind of running out of time here. I thought we'd get further than we would have. But the next day's lesson was called Reading the Master Teacher's Mind and then The Master Teacher and Reconciliation. And I'm just going to share with you the essential ideas that are in these two days lessons. Really good stuff. I'm sure in Sabbath school class you're going to really dig in and, and come up, you know, see some really profound insights. But Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is saying, I really want you guys to get along. I really want you to get along. So let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each person in the church esteem others better than themselves. And then in verse 5, he goes on to say, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not think it robbery to be considered equal to God. But he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and a bond slave, became a person. And he humbled himself even unto death, even to the death of the cross. So in very beautiful words, Paul describes the condescension of Christ for the sake of human beings. And he's saying, let that attitude, that disposition be in you. So Jesus taught you how you're supposed to relate to your brothers and sisters in the church. If you follow his example, we're going to get along. Things are going to go really great for us. Imagine a church of people that all have the mind of Jesus, who never, who always think better of others than themselves, and who consent to lower themselves for the sake of others, humble themselves, humble themselves, humble themselves for the sake of others. 
That's a beautiful point, and the lesson really does well to bring that out. Wednesday, Wednesday's lesson talks about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and how God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God, he initiates the salvation process. He initiates reconciliation, and he brings reconciliation through the person of his son. This teaches us about how we're supposed to relate to each other and to the world around us. God did not wait for us to come to him. That was actually not possible. So he came to us. He bridged the gap. He spanned the distance. And we should be willing to do the same as well in our relationships with others. So there's estrangement. There's discord. There's distance. There's alienation. Well, who's going to be Jesus first? Who's going to learn from the example of Jesus Christ and the Father and bridge the gap? Who's going to be Jesus first? Who's going to sacrifice first? Who's going to humble themselves first? Who's going to be the initiator of reconciliation? Well, let's not wait for others to be the reconciliators. Let's be willing to do that ourselves and bridge the gap and provide reconciliation. So we learn from Jesus who God is. We learn that God is ridiculously, unbelievably humble because he condescends through the person of his son in such an extraordinary way. Who, who would be more humble? Who would be more willing to sacrifice? Anyways, God is beautiful. God's awesome. And we see that through Jesus Christ. We learn that through Jesus Christ. So our lesson is admonishing us, and I'm admonishing you as your friend, your brother, and in Christ's stead, an apostle. Stretch that, Leah. In Christ's stead, a mouthpiece. Let us focus our gaze upon Jesus so that we can see God's disposition towards us and we can have a similar disposition towards others. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Sabbath School Commentary. You can sign up for this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and receive reminders on a regular basis. God bless you guys. Take good care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.